um, hello and welcome to Alicia Lillington, who is talking with us today on our Humans at Work podcast. And Alicia, we might start off just by getting you to introduce yourself and also the kind of clients that you work with and what sort of work you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I've kind of worked in the communications and change space over the last seven years, started in the private sector as a communications advisor, and then found myself in the public service. So I've been an advisor to government for the last four years um, across six agencies, sort of doing short-term contracts on major projects. Um, And it's been lots of fun. Um, I've learned so much in that time. It feels kind of like almost like 20 years, even though it's been four, but um, I've learned a lot and had a lot of um, great opportunities along the way. Fantastic. And do you work for yourself or do you contract into the government agency? Yeah, I contract through an agency. Okay, lovely. Excellent. All right, what we might do is just kick off by um, I'd love to hear your thoughts about leadership in the workplace and in particular what kind of skills you, in your work out and about, what skills are you seeing in the leadership space that are going to be important for our future of work moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think I have a little bit of a different perspective on leadership just because I do look a little bit younger. I know this is a podcast, so you can't see me right now, but um, I'm a leader myself. And and something I've found is, you know, um, it's really about how you interact with other people. I'll often, you know, walk into a room with a team of gentlemen in their 50s that I'm leading um, and they sort of turn to the oldest person. But I think you have to break down those barriers through conversation um, and through action items. Um, some of the best things I've seen in leadership myself are authenticity. And I think we definitely see that coming through on Zoom calls or, um, you know, the Teams calls that we're having at the moment. I think, you know, when we see um, an executive working from home with a a little one, a little child, or we can see those um, kind of things we've always been talking about over the last um, however many years, but we can see them in practice. Um, So I think kind of um, them showcasing how they juggle a work-life ba- balance, for example, um, is something really beneficial. And I think as well, for me, leadership has become more and more about being really authentic. And, and that means just telling it like it is. And, you know, if you're um, struggling with something or if something's not all, you know, rainbows and butterflies, kind of calling it out um, and addressing it and working with your team, looking at who who has the right skills um, and where can you place them? How can you support them to succeed? And I think the best leaders then just kind of get out of their way once um, your team's mobilised, you've got the support there. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think um, for people that are doing working in the leadership development space, it's quite interesting because then the question of what skills do you want to see developed more becomes a relevant one. So if you could choose one or two skills that you would like to see more and more developed for leaders, what would those skills be? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of people out there with leadership potential. And I think something that I've noticed a lot is confidence in yourself and um, struggling with things like imposter syndrome. So if I could, I would, and I've, I've seen it with leaders, any um, level um, that people are, it's just about having that confidence um, to know that what they're doing is is really great um, and overcoming a lot of those mental barriers we place on ourselves um, where, you know, we might question oh, am I good enough? Can I do it? Um, Just to know that, yes, you've definitely got this, um, go forward and and share your story. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read a lot about um, workplaces of the future or not, but I'm interested in, um, from your perspective, being in the communication space, 
what are you seeing that leads you to believe that work workplaces are going to change and in what way do you think they'll change? Yeah, absolutely. So I work as a change manager and comms um, manager um, in the technology space. So I see a lot of things um, coming through and sometimes it's a little bit scary. It's about things like robots and um, artificial intelligence and all of those type of things. But there's still the human element that's really needed in these spaces. So I think um, I th- it's going to be even more important to have that human voice and that human side of tech. I also see things like diversity in tech and how technology is being developed. Um, We need different voices and different perspectives. Um, I follow, for example, Genevieve Bell from the ANU quite uh, closely and she talks about the biases in technology. So I think that that's a a big thing and and really um, putting um, the human at the centre of technology design. Yeah, I totally agree. And I totally agree about the intersection of humans and technology and with the increase in technology in workplaces, needing more human skills. Mm. What do you think are some of those uniquely human skills that technology is just not very good at replicating? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just the conversation. And I think that's what I've been told that I'm really good at throughout my career. It's just having a chat to people, getting to know them and and listen to them. There's things like that you just can't um, really replicate at this stage with technology and picking up on some of those um, little cues. Um, I think people just really, particularly during, you know, COVID-19 and things like that, people want that human interaction and and talking to a real person. Um, And I think that AI and technology is getting better at that. But um, the, the more that I kind of go down this trajectory, it's definitely the corridor conversations or the face-to-face coffee catch-ups that um, are really valuable and actually allow us to progress a lot further in the work that we're doing. Yeah, that's right. I know along with um, authenticity that one of the skills that people talk a lot about in the workplace, human skills, is empathy Can you just share your experience with empathy in the workplace and what role you think it plays? Yeah, definitely. I mean, being a female in tech in particular, I've worked with a lot of female senior leaders um, and I think they have a lot of advice and um, and information about the barriers that they've overcome um, throughout their career. Um, I think you know, having the empathy to know that you are kind of um, a small minority in this space at this stage um, and and what they sort of did um, to overcome it. So um, they what they do is kind of share their story and, and go out there. Um, and I think it's those conversations and talking about what they experienced during their time as a woman in tech. So, you know, um, yeah, all, all different types of things. Um, when they share those stories, it breaks down a lot of barriers. So I think sometimes empathy can be just about sharing your story. And I think in some ways, like earlier on in your career, you, you kind of have this idea of like your professional persona versus your um, real life persona or like your who you are in your private life. But more and more, I think um, parts of the personal life and who you are are becoming important at work as well. Um, and, and that's kind of what I've seen. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, it's good you mentioned storytelling because mm. the question I've got about storytelling is some people are really good at conceptualising their story and articulating it and sharing it and other people are not. So what advice would you give to those people who are not naturally good at sharing their own story? 
Yeah, definitely. I'm involved in a few mentoring programs and some of the things I've seen in those spaces um, are around personal branding. And I think that's something that's really coming through. It wasn't something when I was at university that we focused on and I, you know, was myself and, and put myself out there, but I'd never heard of the concept of personal branding. I think that everyone should take time to reflect on their passion and even their elevator pitch um, to look at, you know, in 30 seconds, how would you give a synopsis of what you do um, and and what you're trying to achieve. And and what I do is break it down into three parts. So kind of what you've done in the past, where you are now and what you see for the future. Um, I think doing formal exercises is a great way to overcome the fear of um, storytelling um, and practicing as well. I think sometimes, you know, it's hard to practice with friends and family and those close to us, but you could always get a coach or a colleague, um, someone a little bit more removed and say, hey, I'd just like to um, practice, you know, sharing my story with you. I got in from a young age, I was quite shy um, and I got involved in public speaking, debating and and acting. Um, My parents put me into that to sort of overcome a lot of these um, barriers I had of being shy and nervous. Um, And through that training, I I really... I really got a lot of value out of out of um, participating in public speaking. And now I do public speaking a lot. I think um, the fear of what others think of us often prevents us from from going ahead and putting ourselves out there. But um, just know one thing that I've really learned is the audience wants you to succeed. So just imagine they they don't want you to um, to fail. They all want you to succeed. Um, and just imagine them, you know, as all your biggest advocates and friends. I think that really. Yeah helps in storytelling yeah really great framework to take and I know that they say the biggest fear of professionals in Australia is public speaking yeah it's a big one for people to get their head around it's so true and sorry just one more thing on that because it's something that I'm really passionate about um is you might think that sharing your story you know all the stories have already been shared everything's already been done and and sometimes I think that too I'm like oh I'm just another person you know everyone's already told everything but um I get messages back from people and whether it's you know a LinkedIn post an Instagram post a public speech where I'm talking about um how I um manage my life as as a female in tech and I get people saying oh I was going to give up computer science but listening to you and and listening to how you overcame imposter syndrome that's really impacted me so I always think of the one person that's listening um, and there is always one person that you can you can change their life from sharing your story so anyone listening I encourage you to share your story because you never know what um, amazing you know um, trajectory it could take no that's so true well you've mentioned imposter syndrome a couple of times so I'm going to just ask you about it yes don't know that are listening but they don't have any clue what imposter syndrome is Absolutely. How would I describe it? Okay. So um, imagine you're a guest speaker about to give a presentation and you have a lot of background. You've worked really hard in your field. You've got all the experience. You've been invited to speak there, but you feel like a fraud. You feel like, what am I doing here? Um, you know, someone's going to take me off the stage and they're all going to know that I, um, I'm really doubting myself and I don't, um, I don't feel good enough. And sometimes people experience it at work. They sort of think, oh, um, you know, I've, I've got away with my career this long, but soon they're going to, you know, they're going to take me away or I don't belong here. Um, 
and the more that I've spoken about it, the more that I've realized it affects people at um, every stage of their career. Sort of when you're starting out, um, I chat to um, people that say, you know, have I done enough during my degree? I didn't do enough volunteering and extracurricular activities. Am I good enough? Can I get a job? And then sort of mid-career, you know, um, people who say, oh, I've got X amount of experience, but I could have more. It's just that constant questioning. um, And some things you can really do to overcome it is um, whenever you get feedback, keep a a diary or a journal or a Word document on your computer of of your excellent feedback. And when you're feeling down, go back and look at that um, information. um, And and it'll kind of give you a bit of a case study. And, And I think you have to look at yourself as a bit of a case study rather than placing barriers on yourself. Yeah, I love that concept of capturing the feedback and writing it down somewhere and having it somewhere because so many of us just say, thanks, that's nice, and it just goes past and you would never capture it or be able to reuse it. Now, what I'd like to talk about now is I want to dig into human skills a little bit more and particularly in regards of how do we go about developing some of them. So I want to give you an example of listening because listening is one of the most um, needed human skills that we want to develop. How would you consider that you would go about developing that and other related skills? Yeah, definitely. So it's definitely something that I've had to learn throughout my career, um, the skill of listening. I think especially when you're starting out and kind of mid-career, you want to showcase everything you can do when you're in the meeting and you've got lots of ideas. But actually, sometimes the best way to support is by listening. Um, And there's research and studies that show um, sometimes to formulate an idea, people need sort of 15 to 20 seconds to, to process everything and come up with their next idea. So I kind of practice counting to 15 um, in meetings when, you know, a question's asked um, and maybe I'm asking something of a, um, an employee that I'm supervising and maybe they don't have something straight away. Uh, and as humans, we want to be like, okay, you should like, you know, you want to fill in those gaps. You don't want to have silence. Um, but when you actually just give it a moment, pause, listen, um, things will tend to flow through and unexpected things as well. So I think with listening as well, and I learned this, you know, working in retail, um, open-ended questions. So not kind of um, asking questions that have a yes or no answer, perhaps asking, how did you think that meeting went? Pause, wait and listen. And I, I think it's been most invaluable because the types of things that come up and the, the additional conversations that that arise from there um, are, are really um, quite insightful and, and um, yeah, take you a lot of places. Mm, yeah, I can see that. And I can see how that stepping back and pausing just creates the space for something else to happen as well. And I think that's quite important in conversations because so often there's two people that are so intent on getting out their message that they're not actually there to receive the message from the other person. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if I had to ask you, you, you've already talked about some of these skills. If I had to ask you to give me your top three skills, top three human skills, what would those top three be? I think the first one is being a lifelong learner. Um, and that is just about, you know, learning everything and having, um, and I guess it kind of ties into a second one, which is having an open mind. Um, and then the third one is kind of like an enthusiasm. 
So I'd say lifelong learner, open mind, enthusiasm. And I guess a little bit more about that is I get people saying to me, you know, because I'm delivering these exciting new systems, people have been in roles for 20 years and they, they're they excellent at what they do. They have great corporate knowledge and policy knowledge um, and all of those things. But when it comes time to interact with a new system, they'll say, oh, I'm not a tech person. Um, so I really like to break down those barriers and challenge their assumptions because actually it's just part of their role. It's on a different platform. They know what they're doing and they're able to provide higher level policy advice. This is just a tool. Um, so I think being open to learn new things and, and we'll see more technology coming out um, in the coming years. It's nothing new, but I think sort of the shift from the 90s to today has been a massive um, shift um, and it's just going to be more and more rapid. Um, and also the enthusiasm. Like I can't um, explain to you enough how... Um, how much being an enthusiastic person and just, you know, having a smile or um, answering something with passion um, can change can change your workplace and can change the conversations. It can change the whole vibe. Obviously, be yourself. And if you're ha- having a down day, you don't have to, you know, put it on or anything like that. But I'm working on a project at the moment where I'm working with a training manager who said, oh, I've, I'm having the best day. And we sort of asked, oh, you know, why are you having the best day? And she was saying, oh, I've just delivered these training guides. I've I've completed them and I'm so passionate about my work and it's infectious. And then it's got a butterfly effect. Um, so yeah, I guess there, and, and open-mindedness, um, being open to trying new things, working in new ways, um, that's what will set you apart in your career. Um, and, and not having any assumptions as well, I think, and even assumptions about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so true. You've mentioned um, managing change a couple of times. So yeah. what, what do you think is important for people to learn how to adapt to change? What do they need to be able to do or be open for in order to adapt properly to a change process? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is about giving yourself time um, and understanding, obviously understand why the change is happening. Why are we going from X to Y? Um and sort of looking at you'll go through different cycles. And I mean, I use kind of the Kubler-Ross grief cycle with the stages of acceptance. Um, you know, you will go through um, a transition period, understanding that it it might not be comfortable and you, you will go through a learning curve, but getting comfortable with being uncomfortable for a little while is what will lead to successful change. Um, I think as well, yeah, looking at the benefits of, of what the, the change can provide. Um, and yeah, just understanding why the um, the organisation is investing in this change. And I think you can use, you know, change management, not only um, in the workplace, you can use it in your personal life. Say you're moving house or for me, for example, I really want a puppy and I want my husband to, to have a puppy, but he doesn't want a puppy. So, you know, the key messages, you know, what, what are the benefits if we get one? Well, your wife will be more happy. If we don't, what is the consequence? You'll have a, a sad wife that will annoy you every day. So um, I think... Um, you know, just just selling those like cost benefit analysis, and then going through those different cycles, and and understanding that there will be a learning period. Yeah, I think that's true. And look, I, I think it's a myth that people don't like change, but I think people don't like change they're not prepared for properly, mm. or they don't understand properly. You know, so Absolutely. those elements are so important. Aren't they? All right, our final question for you. The time's gone very quickly, but our final question for you is: What advice? do you 
would you like to pass on to our Humans at Work listeners? Wow. (laughs) I think uh, I have so much advice. Um, (laughs) I think something I would like um, people to think about is what um, what they're doing at the moment, um, does it bring you joy and does it bring, is it your passion and how are you feeling about what you're doing? And I think sometimes you can find your passion in what you're doing. Like, for example, I know a couple of people that are sort of starting out their careers and they're having to do administrative roles, but they find the joy in it and they find the, you know, maybe they'll listen to music while they, while they do it. But I think, um, really think about what you want to do. And if you want to explore something, go ahead ahead and do it. I think sometimes we get stuck in a career or we get stuck um, and we feel like we're locked in. Even if we take a job, we're like, okay, that's my job forever. Um, But so many people I talk to, they're like, I'm doing this, but I had a dream of this. So why not explore your dreams and why not, you know, give that a go in the meantime? I mean, you, you're not locked in. You don't have to continue with like, maybe this is for now, but um, I think the world will just be a better place if we can explore our passions um, and give things a go and um, and really feel like we're, um, we're doing what we love. That's such beautiful advice. I love that advice about your passions and exploring doing what we love. And I think yeah. the world would be a better place if more of us did what we love rather than what we felt we had to do. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yeah. And and you know what else is that I um, started my career or started um, exploring what I wanted to do and I studied international relations and then I kind of fell into, I studied to be a teacher after that and then I um was a communications manager. And then from there, I saw change management. So I think you don't be afraid to pivot and, and see what else is out there. And actually advocating for women in technology is something I'm really passionate about. And I never would have thought of that when I was studying international relations. I remember looking on your job websites and having a very narrow search, but just broaden your horizons and give things a go. You never know um, where you might end up if you just, um, yeah, follow, follow the passion. Yeah, that's so true. Thank you so much, Alicia, for your advice on following passion and managing change and many other things that today in the podcast. And a thank, a big thank you to all our listeners from our Humans at Work podcast. Alicia, how do people find you if they want to find out more about you? Yeah, sure. They can find me on LinkedIn. Um, so I'll spell my name for you, maybe, if that's okay. Um, so it's A-L-I-C-I-A and my surname is Lillington, L-I-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N. So I'll see you. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and I look forward to having some great conversations with the listeners. Awesome. And thanks again, listeners, and see you on the next episode of Humans at Work.